from magical movies. All it takes is faith and trust. Oh, and something I forgot. To unforgettable adventures. Well, once there was a princess. I'm an outlaw, that's what. That's no life for a lovely lady always on the run. From the thrill of the theater to the comfort of your home. Do you want to build a snowman? You can always count on something new from Disney. That's why they call me Thumper. Look, have I got it? The magic feather. Now you can fly. Ohana means family. Just a sec. Buzz, will you get up here and give me a hand? <laughs> I'm taking you to someplace pretty special. You won't find him here. <laughs> the king has returned. Join us for discussion and commentary as we open the Disney Vault with your hosts, Steve Glosson and Teresa Delgado. Hello and welcome, everyone, to Disney Vault Talk. This is the most magical podcast on the internet. My name is Steve Glosson, and we're back. And uh, we'll talk about, in a moment, all the issues maybe you're having downloading some of the older episodes and that sort of thing. We're going to have those worked out. Uh, before this episode is even posted. So uh, if you're listening to this via the podcast feed, then you will be able to get those classic Disney Vault Talk episodes. Really excited on this episode as we are jumping for the first time into Pixar. And we'll be discussing the first ever Pixar feature-length film, Toy Story. Now, it's not just me. I'm not, I, I'm not a one-man show. I can't do this alone. In fact, I couldn't do this at all were it not for the heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk. She is a podcaster slash blogger slash social media uh, master extraordinaire, but you probably know her best as the lovely, the talented, the powerful, Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. I'm so excited. We are we're we're back and we're Pixar time now. I'm so excited. And 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 I have much to say and I'm really excited because this is really a a special era and a special string of movies we're about to get into. But first we gotta get into this. Here we go. Slow down, you're gonna crash. Baby, you been screaming, it's a blast, blast, blast. Look out there, you got your blinders on. Oh, now I'm pumped. Now I'm ready. Now we can do this officially. It's a great song to like ramp up to, you know? Right. Super it's, exciting. It's fantastic entrance music you have there, Teresa. Thank you. So, well, it's from Cars. We get well to talk done. about that soon. 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 I don't know. I don't know what that means. You know what? We're in a new era, so I think we need to reset the timer. We'll get to Cars 
in maybe a year. <laughs> By 2020, we'll have done cars. By 2020, we'll have done cars. <laughs> um, so how it's going. How it's going. It's going good. Yeah. The Olympics are on. I'm pretending to figure skate in my room uh, and dance like a tiger. Yeah. But, you know. Dance like just... a Okay, I'll explain this. Please. So, <laughs> Please do. I love the mascots for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And for these Olympics, the tiger, the white tiger, is the mascot for these particular Olympics. His name is Sue Harang. And I'm, pr- I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong. But he's so- the cutest little tiger and the music that they play for like the theme of this particular olympics has like the perfect beat for me to just sing and be like i'm a tiger and i dance like a tiger and so, <laughs> run around and like so dance. wait a minute what's the what's the white tiger's name suharang and it's a boy i i think that it's a boy greg did ask me he said how do you know if it's a boy or a girl i said well i am saying that it's a boy so he's a boy named sue sure well my daddy left home when i was three and he didn't leave much to ma and me just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze now, I don't blame him cause he run and hid But the meanest thing that he ever did Was before he left He went and named me Sue well, he must have thought that, <laughs> that just happened <laughs> That's funny So I, I am so obsessed with mascots That for the Beijing Olympics in 2008 I don't know how I did it But I managed to order a soccer ball that had all the mascots all over it and a pack in a box of all the mascots as plush stuffed animals and so and i usually try to buy something from the olympics wherever they are Mm -hmm. if you know online if i really like them and i really wanted a stuff suhering and he was just going for so expensive on ebay because he's like sold out at the olympics Mm -hmm. and so all I could get, because of money, was a keychain Suharang stuffed like plush that can clip onto your backpack. Yeah. And I'm so excited to get it. I got a notification that it shipped today from South Korea. So, yes. Nice. I now, mean, it probably won't get here until March, but whatever. <laughs> well, now let me ask you this. Are, are, is this. Is this mascots in general or is it just Olympic mascots? I really like mascots, mm-hmm. but I do really like the Olympic mascots. Okay. Well, let's let's bring this into straight up American sports. Do you have favorite mascots from various and sundry sports teams? Oh yeah, well Bevo. He's from he's the hook the Longhorns. Okay. The Longhorns he's mascot. He's cute. Yeah. And the real Bevo is also very cute, although I wouldn't want to piss him off. Cause... He's a cow. I know, with long horns. Yeah, he's a, yeah I got, no. I know. <laughs> That's why they're called that. I mean, it's a, look, it's not the most, it's not the smartest name. It's very on the nose, but, you know, still. Um, but he's a baby. He's, he's new, oh. and he's only been around for like a year or two. Mm-hmm. And I forget what his real name is. He goes by Bevo, but he right. has another name. And he's just so cute. How do you spell Bevo? 
B-E-V-O, Bevo. Bevo. Okay. I don't think I've seen Baby Bevo. I also like the Oregon Duck because I think he looks like... Donald? No, what's that other duck? The mean one. Donald's not really mean. He just likes to pretend he's mean. The one that George Lucas created. Howard the Duck? Yeah, kind of reminds me of that. I'm sorry. I think he reminds me more of Donald Duck than Howard the Duck. Well, of course I like mascots. I like meeting characters at Disney. Well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Well, but yeah, but that's a specific thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's a specific Disney thing. I was just wondering if maybe. Bevo is Bevo. I understand. And I know that's, and I get get that you're a fan thereof. What other cute ones are there? I don't like the mascots that look like people, but are like weird stuffed people you know well you've got uh you've got hairy dog from uga mm. you familiar mm-hmm. you know what he looks like he's a bulldog right yeah but he's a mascot bulldog yeah i don't remember i the only bulldog i think of is the one from my high school and there's two we have a boy and a girl and they're mm-hmm. adorable okay see um i'm gonna put a link to hairy dog in our chat here Teresa, so that you can uh Check that picture out. Oh, there okay. he is, right there. He's striking. Mm-hmm. He's striking mm-hmm. a pose. His face is too mean. Why isn't he cute? Because Why he's isn't a bulldog. He made look cute. Yeah, Alabama's got Big Al. Is that a person? That's one? an elephant. Oh, he's probably cute. Yeah, he's well. He's all right. I mean, listen. Let's not give Alabama too much. Well, that's the problem. See, mm-hmm. then you run into: Am I rooting for? you know, a school that you just want to kick the tail out of them, right. you know? But then you've got like your, then you've got your like big professional mascots, like the Philly Fanatic. Oh no. What is it? Oh, I like the elephant. He's cute. Yeah, that's Big Al. You know the Philly Fanatic. You'd know him if you saw him. He's not really a, he looks more like a Muppet, um, like a weird Muppet than anything. Huh. And he's got his belly, and there's the 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 San Francisco Giants. Is it the Giants? Have See, this... but that's the ones that look like people. No, the Philly fanatic does not look like a people. Oh, he's green and a, got like a big mega horn nose. I, he looks like a Muppet. Looks like a Muppet. Here, I'm 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 sending you pictures as we go here. I don't know what all of these this look like. Disney I'm trying talk. to find the picture of the one from my high school. And the, oh yeah, the Philly fanatic, the Cubs bear is so cute. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. Um, the uh, the San Francisco Giants have a seal. Yeah, that's, that's that'd be mascot. cute, probably. Yeah, he walks around in sunglasses. That'd be cute, probably. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on how it's made. Like, <laughs> well, give me a minute, and I'll send it to you. Um, but yeah, so I'm just one. I was just at wondering if if that was something that was a. Uh, if that's because it's something I didn't know about you, I didn't know that you enjoyed the mascots. Oh, he's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, look. Here's a link. Mine didn't do the same thing yours did, mm-hmm. but of the dog from my high school. Oh. Like, okay. Yeah. See, like, why doesn't the bulldog that you showed me look like that? Well, see, this bulldog looks cute. kind of rough, if I'm being honest. Well, that's an older costume. <laughs> I can't find a good picture. Okay. I actually think I have a picture on my phone, but that's beside yeah. the point. Well, you know, bulldogs have a reputation for being tough and rough. I want somebody's school mascot to be a T-Rex so they can be in one of those goofy T-Rex like oh inflatable my God. costumes. Can I tell you 
And it's not something I seek out, but when I stumble across them, some of my favorite videos that have hit the internet are videos of people doing stuff in those T-Rex costumes. That's so funny. Like, whether it's just, like, jumping into a boat or skiing or just anything that they do is just... That's some funny stuff. Yeah. Um, so that leads me to my next question. Do you have the Hulu? The Hulu? Mm-hmm. We have so many of the others that we do mm-hmm. not have Hulu. Oh, okay. Although, Greg would like us to have Hulu because Anna Kendrick is trying to sell him Hulu. And she's well, his favorite. Well, so. there's there's two, um, there's two seasons of a show that they did on Hulu that was a Hulu exclusive called Behind the Mask. I think I've seen... When I used to have Hulu. Yeah, and it was, I think... it was all about mascots. That's amazing. And they follow four different people, one from like a high school, one from a semi-pro hockey team, one from a professional basketball team, and then there's one other one that they, that they kind of follow through their life. And then it's a different crew the next season. Oh, one from a college team. And so, but it's a different group of mascots than the second season. But yeah, you, like it's, yeah, I figured that might be right up your alley. Anyway, I think I missed my calling. I think I should have been a mascot. Teresa, you still have an opportunity to be a mascot. Here's Go what buy an outfit and run around. Well, in my here's lot. here's what I think we need to do. We need to determine what is the Goaliverse mascot. Oh, but it has to be cute, right? And if we ever have Golcon, part of your job will be to dress up as the Goaliverse mascot. And I will do it, but it has to be something cute. I won't do it if it's not Well, cute. of course it'll be cute. Why wouldn't it be cute? That's so you like can it be like an otter or a penguin or something? Man, an otter? I'm I'm all about an otter. <laughs> Let's do That'd be interesting. The otter mascot the, the Goliverse otters? I'd have to lay down like on a skateboard, you know, and like skate around the Oh, M the Dunn. Place. That yeah, that'd be fun. M Dunn says the Goldverse mascot must be a Sasquatch. No, I won't that's not cute. I a cute one. No. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be a Bigfoot? You won't be a tiny little Sasquatch? That'd be awesome. Oh Teresa, please be a tiny little Sasquatch. That's just like a tiny little furry thing. That's your that is your rapper name, Tiny Little Sasquatch. <laughs> Little Sasquatch. That's who you are. Little oh, Sasquatch. <laughs> I'm healthy fats. Uh, I like the otter on a skateboard idea. I do like the otter on a skateboard idea. That's great. Oh, Wendy Cooper says baby sass. Baby sass. Yeah, it's almost like an Ewok. Yeah, kind of, I guess. Yeah. It's like longer hair. What if we said porgs were our um, mascot? I don't really want to be a porg, though. Yeah, nobody does. I mean, they're cute, but like, no. All right, the Goliverse Otter. Little Sassy. Little Sassy would be the name of the Sasquatch <laughs> mascot. Our mascot. Little Sassy. All right, well, Little Sassy has to have like a little bow in her hair. Of course, yeah. Yes. Sure. And you get to Can be I sassy. Have outfits? Yes, and you get to be sassy. Oh. <laughs> Don't tempt me with a good time. What if a, what if, what if a seagull was our mascot? Oh, dear. Mm. Stop it now. Oh, my God. I had to have that on me, like, to push a button, like a little speaker hidden in my fur right. feathers. In your feathers. It'd be much easier if I was a Sasquatch to have it a hidden speaker. Uh, Carissa says that Tiny Sasquatch was the Vancouver Olympics mascot. I missed that one, apparently. 
What about the baby Wookiee from season one of Rebels? What, Kit, oh, yeah. Kitwar? Kitwar. Can that be my name? <laughs> now, we need to make it some anagram of Teresa. That's funny. So, anyhow. Well, listen, we're wasting time. We got to talk some Toy Story stuff, but we've also got some Disney Watch to get into. So, let's do hey, that. Hey, watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch yourself. Bob, who goes there? Watch it now. Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> Watch out, Luma Boy! Disney Watch. All right. What do so we the got? first thing. Mm-hmm. There is an exclusive Blu-ray for all Disney Movie Club members. So if you are a Disney Movie Club member, you can get this Blu-ray and nobody else can. It has come out of the vault. All right. Yeah, we thought we'd give it exclusively to the Movie Club people and see how it does and it trends pretty well. We might put it out there for everyone. You never know. I don't get why they won't. I mean, they really should. They need to market this thing. People would buy it now, I really do think. They... I don't know. I don't know. It is a Blu-ray set of the three caballeros and oh. saludos, amigos. Saludos, amigos. Yeah. Hadn't done that in a long time, by the way. <laughs> we need this. We need this so bad. So I actually posted in our Facebook group, if anybody was a member of the movie club, forgotten that my mom's a member of the movie club. I got some responses and was working out a potential deal to oh. you know buy this. And then my mom texts me and says, I'm in the movie club. Working said, a deal. Oh, that's right. Working a deal. That's right. So then I said, well, I really want the Three Caballeros Blu-ray. She goes, how do you ruin all your surprises? I was like, I didn't ruin it. You did. <laughs> I believe you just did that, Mother. <laughs> but she said she was going to get it for me for my birthday, which is coming up. So I was just so excited. But I can't believe they're not. I Why won't they put this out for everyone to have? Well, it's the same thing for the longest time. You know, the DuckTales movie was a movie club exclusive. Yeah. And then it got out there. Dig- it's out there digitally, isn't it? Oh, you know what? I wonder. I don't know. And I also don't know if this is a, if it has a digital copy. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine if this has a digital copy? You just carry it with you, carry it with you wherever you go. That would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be so perfect. But also in Disney Watch, this is our first episode of 2018 Mm -hmm. and there was a great article in the insider or on the insider or this is insider whatever it's a website and (laughs) the title was (laughs) i can't read it like i guess it's this is insider this is insider.com that's a real but look at all the is's like all right yeah it's really weird this is some more yeah it's written by um Kirsten Acuna. It's the Disney is 10 movies coming out in 2018. They all are. And it's a list. And so I figured we could talk about which ones we're kind of excited for. Mm-hmm, so we'll just mm-hmm. kind of go through. The list is in order of them releasing. So the Release first one's thing. Black Panther, which yeah. is coming out this week. I'm getting more and more excited about it. I wasn't super excited about it. But the more I see TV spots and stuff, the mm-hmm. more I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Black Panther has never been one of my favorite comic book characters. Um, you know, he was to me. He was he never 
anytime they, he tried to carry his own book, it didn't work for me. But he was always a great kind of guest appearance and different stuff. And I was introduced to him in the page of the Fantastic Four. Chadwick Boseman is someone who I absolutely have come to love on the screen. I've not mm-hmm. seen him do anything that that I was disappointed in. And and the and the same can be said of Civil War with his turn as the Black Panther. And I'm really looking forward to he and Michael B. Jordan in the same movie. Me um, too. I think that's just going to be amazing. The visuals are really neat. Like they're doing something with the colors and and everything else and the and the technology of Wakanda that I think is going to be really neat and really cool that I'm looking forward to kind of going on this journey a little bit. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fired up about it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, too. The next one comes out right before my birthday. This is A Wrinkle in Time. I am also pumped for this. Mm-hmm. I really do like this book, although I think I need to reread it. But the cast in this movie looks great, and the little girl, Storm Reed, looks awesome. So I'm excited. I remember the book. I remember the book. And I remember as a kid, it kind of confusing me a little bit. And I've never revisited it since I was like in third or fourth grade. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so the, the previews have meant nothing to me. And, and so I'm not really super excited about this, but I know a lot of people are. Yeah. I, I would highly encourage people to go out and see this. If anything, because Ava DuVernay directed it Mm -hmm. and, you know, I just think it's awesome when we do get a movie that has a female director because there really aren't that many out there. And so and by Disney, nonetheless. So go check that out. Uh, Avengers Infinity War comes out in May. I'm gradually getting excited about it. This is my most anticipated movie of the year. This is ever since at the, at the end of uh, during the credits of the first Avengers when Thanos turns his head and smiles. This is what I've been excited for and looking forward to. And the way they've built this universe over the past 10 years. Mm, has, that's true. Did you been, see the picture that was posted? Yes, yes. Oh, that was that was awesome. It has been a, it's been a historical feat of cinema for for Marvel Cinematic uh for Marvel Studios to do what they've done since 2008 starting with Iron Man. And mm. um in the first real trailer that we got online sold me on this and i'm like i don't need anything else to be excited for this movie when he says and get that man a shield i'm like that's, that's all i need great. that's all i need so then also in may we mm-hmm. have solo a star wars story which i haven't really been excited about because i didn't have anything to be excited about there was mm-hmm. nothing and now we have posters and tv spot and a trailer and we had entertainment weekly articles and steve I have lost it. I'm so pumped for this, and I'm so excited for Donald Glover as Lando. Every shot of him just makes me go, <sighs> They've got his wardrobe down, don't they? Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, they, yeah they've got his wardrobe down. I am... Cautiously excited? Uh, yeah. I'm like, okay, here we go. I'll go see it. I, I've gotten raked over the coals for some questions I had. Um, as though I were complaining, but I wasn't complaining. I was just asking questions. And um, like, what question? Just one. For example, uh, the the look of the Falcon. Um, this obviously takes place after Revenge of the Sith, because the Empire is in charge. Right. And the Falcon we see is a little bit different than the Falcon that lands in Revenge of the Sith, which George Lucas always said is the Millennium Falcon. Um, there's also the same model of Falcon ships on on uh, Naboo, when Anakin and Padme land on Naboo, and they look like the classic Millennium Falcon we know and love. And so I was just like, 
So it just seems kind of odd to me. I wasn't complaining. I was just like, so I don't understand the workings of this ship or what's going on. And I'm going to have to learn that. And, and then I got chewed up over that. And Chewie's bandolier, I asked questions about, and I got chewed hmm. up over that. You know, Not something I, happens to the Falcon. It loses a piece. It, I mean, who knows? Yeah. We'll find out. Let's just wait and find out. Right. I was, and again, I wasn't complaining. And right. I, and I, I don't wasn't, see that as a complaint. And I, I wasn't see saying that. As that a curiosity. Right. It was a curiosity. And same thing with Chewie's bandolier. Because I was always under the impression that a Wookiee's bandolier strap had a particular meaning. It wasn't just an accoutrement. It, it meant something to them. And that may be old EU that I'm getting conflated with what is now. So I don't, you know, I was just asking the questions. That's all I did. And and I got hated on for it. Well, that is the world of Star Wars yeah. fandom right now. But, I'll, right. you know, my butt will be in the seat on May 25th. So, in June, we mm-hmm. get The Incredibles 2, which I've been waiting for Baby Jack-Jack for forever, so this is going to be great. You're talking, about my so second most, you're talking about my second most anticipated movie of the year? Yes. Oh, my gosh. this is I'm so looking forward to this. And as you guys that are listening live, uh, if you tune into the Olympics during primetime on Wednesday, they will be doing a preview of The Incredibles 2, so be on the lookout for that. And then in July we get Ant Man and the Wasp. Have you seen really, the Have you seen the preview? I have. Yes. I I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. And you know Ant Man, Ant Man's just great because it's just so itself and its own thing. And Paul Rudd's just fantastic. So I just I'm excited. I can't wait to see this one for sure. Number seven on this list comes out in August. I'm cautious. Mm-mm. I'm cautious. I, I'm excited, but cautious. And I tell you why I'm excited. I'm excited because Ewan McGregor is in, is in this movie, and he's playing Christopher Robin. Mm-hmm. And the movie is Christopher Robin. It's grown-up Christopher Robin reuniting with his Pooh Bear friends. So I'm very curious to see how this goes. I need a trailer before I can... Now, this, you know, says, this says that Pooh Bear and his friends will head out into the real world. I know, right? Are, are we going to see two deanimated Pooh Bear? Or are we going to see like the classic, like stuffed what, animals? Stuffed animal. I don't know. Digitally come to life. Here's the thing: Jim Cummings is going to be voicing Winnie the Pooh, of course. Brad Garrett is going to be doing Eeyore, and I can't think of anyone more perfect to be Eeyore. That's pretty good. Um, so yeah, this. I'm. Let me tell you why I'm scared of this movie. I don't. I don't want to be a. a, a a blubbering mess. That's what I'm scared of too. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a crier mm-hmm. for sure. So then we wait a few months, and then in August we get the nut, the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. That's kind of hard to say. It kind of looks like Narnia. They also point that out in this in this article. I have seen the the teaser for this that they've put out. It looks a little bit dark and creepy. Uh, Kira Knightley's in this. Mm. Um. Morgan Freeman, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, this has been completely off my radar. I didn't know this was a thing. But number nine, Ralph you, Breaks the Internet, you talking about, you Ralph 2. You're talking about my third most anticipated movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one I'm pumped for. Oh, I cannot yeah. wait. Absolutely cannot wait for that. That's in November, late November, right around Thanksgiving. And then Christmas Day Mary Poppins returns, and I'm excited for this now. Mm. I wasn't before, but I am now. So, what's changed yay. your mind? 
I've seen some imagery and I've heard a little bit of Emily Blunt singing and I'm just like, yeah, okay, I yeah, can do this. Okay. I can do this because it's not a remake, right? which is nice. So I don't have to worry about that. And I think before I was like really scared it was going to be a remake, but it's not. So all right. I'll, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. And Julie Andrews said that she's all about it. So okay. if so, she is, then I can be. All right. Well. Well, Teresa, Steve, it's that time. Let's get into Toy Story. Yeah. Sergeant? Yes, sir. Establish a recon post downstairs. Code red, repeat. We are at code red. Recon plan, Charlie. Execute. Move, 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 move. It's a... It's a big one. Walt Disney Pictures presents a totally new animated motion picture event. Star Command, come in. Do you read me? The story of two toys. Oh, there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Oh, yeah. ah! Headed for a showdown. My name is Woody... This is my spot. I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You are a child's plaything. You are a sad, strange little man. And playing by their own rules. Draw. Fuck me again. I don't like confrontations. Buzz, look an alien. Where? <laughs> You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> oh, impressive wingspan. Very good. <laughs> oh, what? What? He can't fly. Yes, I can. Can't. Can. Can't. 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 This holiday season, the adventure takes off when toys come to life. To infinity and beyond. Toy Story. Look out! Can. Oh, here we go. And here's Teresa. With some history. I'm sure you know everything there is to know about the castle. Oh, well, actually, I, uh, yes, I do. As you can see, the pseudo facade was stripped away to reveal a minimalist Rococo design. Note the unusual inverted vault. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, I got lost in the chat. I apologize, I got lost in the chat. And... Also, for everybody who's been with us this whole time, we are going to be changing it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. We don't have an intro for the movie anymore, just because I got hard. To, yeah, I, to, I to... lost all my ability to actually be funny. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not true. But the Pixar, as I was telling Steve earlier, is a whole beast in and of itself because there are short films and there's all kinds of stuff. So we have a new segment that will come before history, which is short films, short films. Woo. And we need a, Wait, no. we need a bumper for that yeah. short films. <laughs> and <laughs> the, <laughs> hold on. What if it's just short films? <laughs> exactly. Short films. 
Just a whole bunch of people saying short films really fast. Short films. Short films. Short films. Short films. Short films. Short films. <laughs> That's it. We need somebody to record that. Okay, yes. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So we're going to be featuring the short films of Pixar, but they really didn't actually start doing them in the theater before films until after Toy Story. Mm-hmm. So there really wasn't one. There's there is one for us to talk about, but it's a little bit it's I don't know, it's kinda of different. And in this episode, y'all are gonna be getting a ton of history about Pixar that you guys probably don't didn't know, don't care to know one of the two, but you have to listen to it, so enjoy. So You have to listen to it. You have to listen to it. There were some sh- uh, short films that came out before Toy Story in the 80s, and they were recycled later and used on some of the films that we will talk about after Toy Story. So we will get to talk about them, just not right now. There's one called Red's Dream that came out in 1987. There was another one called The Adventures of Andre and Wally B, which came out in 1984. But today we're going to talk about Tin Toy. Tin, Tin Toy. Toy did not come out on like in front of Toy Story when it came out in the movie theaters. It came out with the DVD release of Toy Story. Mm -hmm. And that's not when the movie first came out available for home video. It wasn't until later when they included Tin Toy. But Tin Toy has significance. It came out in 1988. It got the Academy Award for the Best Animated Short Film, the first computer-generated film to ever get that award. So Tin Toy was pivotal. Tin Toy is the reason that Disney wanted to work with Pixar. And Tin Toy was written and directed by John Lasseter himself. So it's a super, super important short film. It's only about five minutes and six seconds. I watched it again today. I've seen it before. Tin Toy reminds me of Toy Story 3 because the little toy, he's like a little drummer guy, kind of reminds me of Dick Van Dyke because he has like the thing on his back. Right, right, right. He's got the whole one-man band thing going on. Right. He is all excited to be played with. Come to realize that he's the toy. <laughs> Teresa, of a baby. I thought yes, I thought the same thing. When uh when especially when he goes and I, well, I thought several things. I thought one, they pulled some ideas from this for Toy Story 3. They expanded yeah. on this idea, but then two, with all the toys hiding up under the the couch or whatever, or the chair. Yeah, I felt Toy like, Story 3. I, I felt like that was right out of Sid's room though, too. That too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, someone in the chat chat is mentioning the short film Luxo Junior. Luxo Junior will also come into play as we talk about Toy Story. I just named a couple of the ones they had released beforehand. So, yeah, but Tin Toy reminds me of of some of the other Toy Story films, and it was just so pivotal for its time. But I do really agree with what some people say out there that the baby is creepy he's creepy the baby uh this is when like i was like really as i'm watching this i'm like this is amazing they were doing this in 1988 this is really amazing they were doing this in 1988 and then um and then the baby came in and i'm like holy cow it's the baby from Allie mcbeal <laughs> right that's exactly what it looks you like know, you know the baby i'm oh talking about yes the dancing baby we know that so that's the best that that was what the dancing baby danced to yeah so tin toy was it was interesting because when 
we're going to get into all this history with Pixar and Disney, but when they were first toying around with ideas. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Slow down. You're going to crash. Okay. (laughs) One of the things they thought about was like, well, let's start this off with just a 30-minute TV special, Mm -hmm. and it would be like a tin toy Christmas, and that ended up being canceled in you know, instead they went with Toy Story, obviously. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Like, there's some merchandise for Tin Toy. It's really cute, and it's just kind of amazing. But there is some little bits of trivia here. The one of the boxes that Billy is playing with near the end of the short has the old Pixar logo on the bottom left. Hmm. So I'll have to look for that next time I see it. Let's see. And then when they talk about Toy Story, in Toy Story 2, when Ham is flipping through the channels to find Al's toy barn, you can see brief clips of Tin Toy and other Pixar shorts, or the oh, early Pixar okay. shorts. I'll look for that when I watch Toy Story 2. Some of the toys from the short can be seen cowering under a table at Sunnyside when the kids come into the Caterpillar room. Nice. I yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a bag, the camera passes over towards the beginning. You can see the old Pixar logo in the top left corner. So they mm-hmm. stuck that in there a bunch. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Tin Toy's cute. There are some better, some better short films that we will talk about later. But I wanted to mention this one specifically because of its significance right. in winning Academy Award and being the reason that Disney was interested in working with Pixar. Well, you know, it, Luxo Jr.'s gotten mentioned, and and that's a pretty yep. that's a pretty important. Uh, film for them and you know or short that they did this mm-hmm. this one winning the academy award and stuff becomes very much a, a huge coming out party for pixar yeah and, luxo and, jr was nominated for an academy award but it didn't win and luxo jr does get recycled later mm-hmm. and that we will get to talk about it well and so. the imagery from that becomes you know the iconic Pixar the imagery, ball. the ball and the lamp. Yep. But but this winning the Academy Award, this is kind of that moment in time where it's like we're here and we know what we're doing and this is something ground, absolutely groundbreaking in animation. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny, that, not funny, but it's interesting that it won't be until seven years later that the whole world, because these short films a lot of times will go by people, go by the general public. Oh, yeah. Without them ever sure. seeing and so it'll be seven years later when they when when the whole world lays their eyes on this, and through through Toy Story, you know, seeing what Pixar can do with Toy Story, and and it's and it's a moment in history that changes the landscape of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So now let's jump into the history of Pixar and Disney, and the reason we have to talk about this is because we will have to talk about it later too as the relationship between Pixar and Disney evolves. Yes. It's so an amazing in- it's an amazing story ladies and gentlemen that that tangles that weaves together personalities and people from our favorite walks of life. You're yeah. talking you're talking Disney execs, you're talking the bearded one, you're talking Apple. I mean, it's mm-hmm. all in there. So, here we go. It's all in there. So, For those of you who do not know, and I actually didn't know some of this, so Pixar got started in 1974 when the New York Institute of Technology's founder, Alexander Schur, who was also the owner of a traditional animation studio, established the Computer Graphics Lab. 
and he recruited a bunch of computer scientists who had ambitions about creating the world's first computer animated film studio, mm -hmm. including important names like Edwin Catmull, Alvy Ray Smith, and several others. Now, eventually, this group of people realized they needed to work in a real film studio in order to reach their goals of being a computer-generated film studio. So George Lucas actually approached them and offered them a job at his studio. Six of the employees from the computer graphics lab decided to move over to Lucasfilm. And during the following months, they gradually resigned so that it wouldn't be like all at once mm -hmm. and found temporary jobs for about a year to avoid making their former boss suspicious before they joined the graphics group at Lucasfilm. All right. So here's the first point I want to make. You've got George Lucas, who is a visionary when it comes to filmmaking. His desire was always to make filmmaking easier so that it wouldn't be such a chore. Right. And and in doing so, he em, he employed technology. And mm -hmm. so upon hearing of these guys, he's like, oh, I want you to come work for me and, and let's really make this thing happen. And and so it takes it's not just the idea of someone who's like, hey, I want to push the bounds of computer graphicking. It's someone who says, I agree with the vision of doing an, a, a fully computer generated animated film. Yeah. And, and this is all before. Empire, right? Return of the Jedi, right. before Land Before Time, mm -hmm. like <laughs> right. this is in the late seventies. Yeah, this is this is right around the time Star Wars is coming out. Uh huh. So the graphics group at Lucasfilm, which was one third of the computer division of Lucasfilm, launched in nineteen seventy nine with the hiring of Edwin Catmull. That's like the big thing. Mm -hmm. He was in charge of the computer graphics lab. And we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Now, in 1986, Edwin Catmull and Alvy Ray Smith knew that they needed to spin away in order to really become their own independent thing that could do what it was trying to do. And it just couldn't do it under the branch of Lucasfilm. Right. So they spun out as a corporation. Now, this wasn't – George Lucas knew that this was going on. Mm -hmm. He was involved in all this. So the newly independent Pixar, which was headed up by Catmull – as president and Albie Ray Smith as executive vice, vice president, they were looking for investors. So Steve Jobs showed interest, but initially George Lucas didn't like his offer. He thought it was way too low, but he eventually had to accept it because they were having trouble finding other people that would be willing to be investors in this new company. Now consider, consider the time. This is 1986. The Star Wars movies are done, as far as anyone's concerned, as far as we know in history. Star Wars is over and done with. Everything that was on TV is now gone from TV. Um, and and really what's keeping... Lucasfilm's not putting a lot out there, movie-wise, you know. And and so what's keeping them afloat is the work that ILM is doing and, and being contracted to work. And so George Lucas is going to parlay this group, allowing them to go out and, and, do, and spin out in their own corporation. Uh, he's going to parlay that into making some money because he's obviously involved in the decision of who's going to invest and, and going out and getting them investors and everything. Right. So, now so. for people who don't know the the journey of Steve Jobs at this point, he has been fired from Apple. Hmm. He's not a part of Apple right now. Uh, he was the founder and CEO of the new computer company known as Next. 
which was in lowercase e, big X, big T. That didn't last very long. You're talking about all NXT? Yeah. Wait, no, that's a wrestling thing. <laughs> that's a wrestling. <laughs> so he paid $5 million of his own money to George Lucas for technology rights and then invested $5 million of his own money as capital into the company. So see there, Lucas gets the $5 million. He stays afloat. Right. <laughs> so he can make Willow. And... Uh, <laughs> Of course, I guess you got some Indiana Jones coming in 1989, too. So mm-hmm. so at the time, Walt Disney Studios was interested and eventually bought and used the Pixar image computer and custom software written by Pixar known as CAPS, which we have talked about. Which I think was Rescuers Down Under, the first one yes. to use that. Yes. So... Walt Disney's investment in Pixar's image computer and in the CAPS program is what ultimately helped them stay afloat and to start really building their company. Mm -hmm. And then Pixar tries to sell a, their image computer. They try to have like a hardware division and like a software division Mm. And they try to sell this Pixar imaging computer, and it just doesn't sell. They eventually have to push that off and say, okay, we're not going to do that, and just focus on you know, their software, which is what they were good at. So Tin Toy comes out in 1988, gets the attention of CEO Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg, and they begin a quest to get John Lasseter to come back to them. So something that's not in here, John Lasseter worked for Walt Disney studios and Mm -hmm. we talked about that back in the first part of vault talk right he ends up pitching some ideas that were not very good and had katzenberg and eisner sort of questioning his decision making and they actually fired him and he went and got hired at pixar and so they see what he's doing and he made tin toy and they start trying to get him to come back and he's like no i'm not i'm not gonna go back to you guys you fired me so Lasseter stays with Pixar mostly because of Steve Jobs and he felt compelled to stay there telling co-founder Edward Catmull he said I can go to Disney and be a director or I can stay here and make history that's a direct quote okay so here this is what I want to point out really quickly this is what this is this is what I want to say behind every great story when it comes to real life I'm talking about behind every great shift in the popular culture behind every great moment in history there are people who see beyond what is happening now and in this in just what we've talked about here with pixar leading into disney you've got george lucas steve jobs and then the quote by john laster there sums everything up i can either go be a director i can stay here and make history i'm seeing beyond the right now into down the road And what's really interesting is we get into Toy Story specific. What's really interesting to me is also accompanying these types of moments in history are people who want to continue to be stiff-necked and stubborn in the way that they do things. And and so many times... Michael Eisner. And so many times the visionaries (laughs) have to capitulate a little bit to those people to forward their vision. And, and, and thank God, though, that they continue to push, push into what their vision is because what you get is some of the great stuff that we've gotten from Pixar, a George Lucas, um, a, a Steven Spielberg, a 
you know, and I'm just talking about pop culture stuff. Lord mm-hmm. knows, Lord knows, in 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 history, you know, in real life, real world stuff, it's the same way. And I I think this this whole thing to me is just an amazing snapshot of of just what it takes to to change the world. And and it takes and one of the big things is it takes seeing beyond the what is to what is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing here. It's an amazing. Totally it is an amazing story. And and look at the. I mean, like the only person left out of here with any type of imagination that should have been in this list. I'm surprised Jim Henson wasn't involved somewhere somehow. I know, right? You know. So Katzenberg quickly realizes, obviously, I'm not going to get Lasseter to come back. So he starts setting plans in motion to create a deal between Pixar and Disney mm-hmm. to produce a film. Because he wants to work with Lasseter so badly. Right. Now, I know there are going to be people that listen to this and they're like, you're forgetting about this. You're forgetting about that. I cannot possibly go into every single detail. I read a ton of stuff about this and I'm trying to pare it down. Right. <laughs> so I know I'm skipping over stuff. All right. So there are there's lots of contention between Pixar and Disney because Steve Jobs doesn't want to give up control of what Pixar's doing. And Katzenberg doesn't want to give up control. So you've got these two big guys, not really in stature, but just big guys that are trying to say, like, no, this is this belongs to us. No, this belongs to us. And how do you get Steve Jobs to work with Disney? You know, (laughs) like that's the trick. So in 1991 and this deal took forever. The deal specified that Disney would own the picture, own its characters outright. They would have creative control and pay Pixar 12.5% of ticket revenues. Wow. Disney also had the option, but not the obligation, to do Pixar's next two films. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. Pixar had the, no. No. Disney. Yeah, Disney Disney had the option. Disney had the option, but they were not obligated to do Pixar's next two films. And the right to make them with or without Pixar involved. Right. So basically what that means is is Disney could go ahead and say, well, we're not going to distribute your next films. And Pixar would have had to look elsewhere for distribution to another movie company like a Warner Brothers or a Fox, you know, or try mm-hmm. to go on independently. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe go back to Lucasfilm. Um, stuff like that. And Lucasfilm having their name on it would have helped them get distribution at a Fox or a Warner Brothers or what have you. Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting here is they they kept the the right the sequel rights for the characters. Yep. Even without Pixar being there. Now yep. you want to talk about a crazy world that we may live in today if things went the slightest bit different. It would have been direct to DVD Toy Story 2D animated sequel. Maybe. Yeah. Mhm. It's crazy. Now, Disney also had the right to kill the film at any time with only a small penalty. So Pixar's getting the bad end of the deal on this. Basically. And the problem is is they don't have the money or the capital or the the big enough name. Yeah, they don't have the leverage. Yeah, to do anything about it. And it's good for them if this goes well because then it pays off for them huge. But if it doesn't, then... You know, it's Disney's problem. Right? Well, it's it it is, but at the same time, it's Pixar's problem because then they might become pariahs in the movie making. You know how the movie making industry is; it's very fickle. Mm-hmm. And if something goes wrong, you're in movie jail for years. Yep. 
So these early negotiations and this deal specifically will become a point of contention between Jobs and Eisner for many years and will come to be something that we will have to talk about again in about 2006. So basically, I played the history bumper too early because this is the Pixar history. Yeah. So we need a whole other bumper for Pixar history. (laughs) Yeah, well, we will. We won't have it every show, but yeah. 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 But we have to get that out of the way because yes. it, it, we're getting into a time where this is not Disney-made stuff. This is made by an outside company, and we're going to get into that with the real history here in just a second. But you don't have to play the bumper anymore. Right. Well, this is this leads <laughs> us into the the production and the making of Toy Story. Correct. So here we go. All right, so Toy Story was released in theaters on November 22nd, 1995, and it was the highest grossing film on its opening weekend. The film placed first in the weekend's box office with $29.1 million and maintained the number one position at the domestic box office for the next two weekends. Toy Story became the highest grossing domestic film of 1995, beating Batman Forever, Apollo 13, Pocahontas, Casper, Waterworld, and Goldeneye. Mm. At the time of its release, it was the third highest grossing animated film of all time after The Lion King and Aladdin. <laughs> I, You know what I thank you for? What? I, I thank you for going ahead and including these movies that because you knew that you anticipated my questions. I know. <laughs> I've gotten to the point that I can't just say some of the stuff because you'll be like, but but what did it be? I don't know. That's so true. <laughs> All right. When not considering inflation, Toy Story is number 96 on the list of the highest grossing domestic films of all time. Mm-hmm. The film had gross revenue of $191.7 million in the U.S. and Canada, $181.7 million in international markets for a total of $373.5 million worldwide. Mm. At the time of its release, the film was ranked as the 17th highest grossing film unadjusted domestically, and it was the 21st highest grossing film worldwide. I think I said that. And you know what's amazing? That if you unadjust things, now it's 96. And those those top twenty are probably all billion dollar plus films. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That in it's just crazy. I guess it's been twenty three years, but still, it doesn't feel like that long ago, y'all. I was in college. I was I was a freshman in college when this came out. This came out in ninety five, so I was ten. All right. <laughs> okay. So speaking of in house versus out of house disney had always always made their movies in-house and this was something that they refused to change if they were going to make a movie it was going to be made in-house but when tim burton who used to work at disney wanted to buy back the rights to the nightmare before christmas disney struck a deal with him allowing him to make it as a disney movie outside the studio nightmare opened the door for Pixar because had it not been for Nightmare Before Christmas, they would never have entertained the idea of Pixar creating a movie for Disney. Never. I, they just wouldn't have done it. Okay, so Nightmare came out in 93. All right, I was thinking it was and a little Nightmare bit Nightmare is that. a gorgeous, amazing film. Mm-hmm. I, I We've yet to cover it because it's not technically in the Disney canon and it's not a part of Pixar. It's one of those ones that falls in the middle, but we'll eventually do it. I've yet to ever see it. 
Oh God, Steve. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. 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 All right. That's just part of the song. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay. So, thank you, Tim Burton. So Katzenberg felt the original treatment for the story of to- for the story of Toy Story <laughs> for the story of Toy Story was problematic. Okay. So to kind of add to this. Pixar had to come in every week and show them what they were doing. Every week. That's a little high maintenance, but that's what they made them do. And Katzenberg felt the original treatment was problematic, and he told Lasseter that he had to reshape Toy Story as more of an odd couple buddy picture and suggested that they watch some classic buddy movies like mm. The Defiant Ones and 48 Hours, both of which I've never heard of before. But you've, never sure heard, you you've never heard of 48 Hours? No. That's Nicolas Cage and Eddie Murphy. Oh, no. Classic 80s film. So, Lasseter, Pete Doctor, they all went, you know, went back and started working on something different than what they had. And they came out in early September 1991 with a second treatment of the story, which is something kind of similar to what we have, but, but not. Because was, Woody was a jerk. What was their original treatment? I I cut it out because it got too long. I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> okay. All right. I can. I'll go find it. Uh, it's fine. Disney also appointed Joel Cohen, Alec Sokoloff, Sokolo. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say his last you, name. Whatever you got. And later Josh Whedon to help develop the script. Whedon found that the script wasn't working but had a great structure. He actually is responsible for adding the character of Rex and creating a much more pivotal role for Barbie. So, Mm. thank you, Josh Whedon. He was going to turn her into a vampire hunter. (laughs) What? (laughs) Did you actually read that somewhere, or did you make that up? I made that up. Okay. All right, so the story team continued to touch up the script as production was underway. Among the late additions to the script was the encounter between Buzz and the alien squeaky toys. The claw. The claw has the spoken. Claw. He has been chosen. He has, the claw has chosen him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so November 1993. This would be known as the Black Friday Incident. This is not good, Steve. Mm-mm. It's not good. Mm-mm. They took what they had to be screened at Disney Studios. And it was so bad that Katzenberg told them that they had to stop production. Like, it's a mess. You must stop it immediately. Wow. And what they had was what I can remember is something along the lines of Woody was more of like the villain. He was, he was mean. He was not empathetic at all. He was like the boss of all the toys, but in a really nasty way. Seemed like he was very cynical and, um, yeah, it, it just, it just didn't have the feel that toy story has. And Tom Hanks was even quoted as saying when he was recording the dialogue, that Woody was a jerk, and he didn't really love that. So the Pixar team had to stop production 
completely. And John Laster and the writing team went back to try to figure out a new script. And three months later, they came with the character of Woody being less of a tyrannical boss of Andy's other toys into the caring leader that we know him as today. Which is a good choice. I, I really think that what Katzenberg wanted to have was, because they talk about wanting to make it more adult, more grown up, and that sort of thing. And I really feel like when you start comparing it to like 48 Hours and the Defiant Ones and stuff, you're talking about um, some adult humor that's really based out of cynicism and more than just a love of just, you know, being funny and that sort of stuff. And, and I think you missed the, the thing that makes Toy Story work, and we'll get into it when we, when we get to talking about it, is its heart. You know, and, and I, I feel like, unfortunately, Katzenberg got away from that because he was looking at things as more of a, more from a producer, I think this will sell kind of place than here's the good story. And as we know, as we move forward, Pixar is all about story. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so... It, it seems like when they finally came back and reworked everything, they got that. And I can just hear Tom Hanks saying, wow, this guy's a jerk. Like, not not in a rude, like, you know, prima donna kind of way, but just in that Tom Hanks way of just saying something. Well, this is this guy's a jerk. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the original treatment, since you were asking, it was Tinny from mm-hmm. the Tin Toy. Yeah. He would be the one-man band with a ventriloquist dummy and it okay i'm gonna read it It paired tinny the one-man band from tin toy with a ventriloquist dummy and sent them on a sprawling odyssey woody would be the main villain abusing the other toys until they rallied against him lotso Mm -hmm. however after disney executives saw the storyboard they relinquished creative control to pixar because katzenberg was the one that had woody being the villain right and so the core idea of toy story was that the toys deeply want children to play with them and this desire drives their hopes, fears, and actions. That was what Pixar wanted. Mm-hmm. And Katzenberg was feeling this buddy cop movie thing. Right. And so there was a lot of clashing over that. Yep. So when the script went through more changes, Lasseter decided that Tinny was too antiquated and the character was changed to a military action figure and then given a space theme, thus Buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lightyear's design was modeled on suits worn by the Apollo astronauts and G.I. Joe, and we're going to talk about some more of that later. And Woody was originally a ventriloquist dummy, um, hence the name Woody. Mm-hmm. So that's... That morphed you know, into so- the pool string. There's a snake in my boot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so... When they came back with the new story, they ran with it, and thus we have the Toy Story we know and love today. So moving on, because we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff when we discuss the Mm -hmm. movie. Toy Story was inducted into the National Film Registry as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant in 2005. That was the first year it was eligible being Mm -hmm. a computer-generated film to be added to the National Film Registry. Yep. The film received three Academy Award nominations, including Best Original Screenplay, Best Original Score, and Best Original Song for You've Got a Friend in Me. I don't know if it won any. How do I not know that? Well, it's okay. (laughs) How did I? I got distracted with other stuff, and then I didn't even bother to to pay attention to if it actually won anything. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Go ahead, and I'll continue. I'll, I'll be looking. You go ahead and... Okay, um, oops. 
the film won and was nominated for various other awards, including Kids' Choice Award, MTV Movie Award, a British Academy Film Award. John Lasseter did receive an Academy Award for Special Achievement in 1996 for the development and inspired application of techniques that have made possible the first feature-length computer animated film. All right. So far, I've got it. Lost Best Screenplay to the Usual Suspects. Go ahead. Okay. Toy Story won eight Annie Awards, including Best Animated Feature, Animator Pete Docter, John Laster, Randy Newman, Bonnie Arnold, and Ralph Guggenheim, Ralph Eggleston, Joel Cohen, all these people all won awards for their individual achievement for the film, whether it's production design, music, producers, script, or whatever. All right. It lost Best Original Score and Best Original Song to Pocahontas. Oh, and, well, at least Disney won and something. Color, and Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. All right, so Toy Story was nominated for two Golden Globe Awards, one for Best Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical, and one for Best Original Song. Uh, I'm guessing it didn't win either of those, which is why I don't have that in the show notes. Toy Story is also among the top 10 in the BFI list of the 50 films you should see by the age of 14 and the highest placed at number 99 animated film in Empire Magazine's list of 500 greatest movies of all time. All right. All right. Now getting into the DVD release of this thing, this thing's crazy. It's all. Or just the movie release. We've never put in the vault. We just keep throwing it out there, hoping people will get it because, I mean, every time we throw it out there, people snatch it right up. Mm-hmm. It's Toy Story. So it does have two sequels, about to be three. It has Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3. Toy Story 4 is coming. On October 2nd, 2009, the film was re-released into theaters in Disney Digital 3D. The film was also released with Toy Story 2 as a double feature for a two-week run, which ended up being extended due to its success. I did see that, mm-hmm. so both of those. Toy Story was released on Walt Disney Home Video on VHS and Laserdisc. Laserdisc? Yeah. I guess it was the 90s. On October 29th, 1996, had no bonus material. And the first week of the release, VHS rentals totaled $5.1 million, debuting Toy Story as the week's number one video. Over 21.5 million VHS copies were sold in the first year. Deluxe Edition Widescreen Laserdisc 4-Disc Box Set Good night. was released on December 18, 1996. On January 11, 2000, the film was re-released on VHS, but this time as the first video to be a part of the Walt Disney Gold Classic Collection with the bonus short film, Ten Toy. Mm. That release sold 2 million copies. All right. Now in DVDs. The film was released for the first time on DVD, October 17, 2000, in a two-pack with its first sequel, Toy Story 2. The very same day, a three-disc Ultimate Toy Box set was released I featuring think, Toy Story. I think I have that one. Toy Story 2 and a third disc of bonus material with a to- Toy Story in 35mm widescreen print. The DVD two-pack The Ultimate Toy Box set, the Gold Classic <laughs> Collection VHS and DVD, and the original DVD were all put in the Disney vault on May 1st, 2003. We just had to rein it in. We were just making too much money, and no one wants to do that. Yeah, we have to take it away from the people. All right. But don't Uh, worry. 
Don't worry, it's going to come back out. On September 6, 2005, a two-disc 10th anniversary edition, that's the one I have, was released featuring much of the bonus material from the Ultimate Toy Box, including a retrospective special with John Lasseter, a home theater mix, as well as the new digital widescreen picture with the 35mm full screen. This DVD went back into the vault on January 31st, 2009, along with Toy Story 2. Okay, the 10th anniversary release was the last version of Toy Story to be released before being taken out of the Disney vault lineup along with Toy Story 2. The film was available for the first time on Blu-ray in a special edition combo pack that included two discs, the Blu-ray and the DVD versions of the film. This combo edition was released by Walt Disney Home Studios Entertainment on March 23, 2010, mm. along with the sequel. I have that version of Toy Story. I don't have the that version. I then Toy Story. I have 3. that version of Toy Story two. I, I do not have that version of Toy Story. I actually don't. I realize I don't own Toy Story on Blu-ray at all. I have Toy Story on Blu-ray, and I have Toy Story three on Blu-ray. I don't have Toy Story two. Actually, my Toy Story 2 might be different because there's a couple more here. There was a DVD-only re-release in May of 2010, another Ultimate Toy Box kind of thing. And then on November 1st, 2011, the first three Toy Story films were re-released all together, each as a DVD, Blu-ray, Blu-ray, 3D, digital copy combo pack. And there is also the versions, when Toy Story 3 came out, it came out on its own, but it had a digital copy, and there's a version of Toy Story 2 by itself with a digital copy, which... Okay, that's the one I have, the Toy Story on Blu-ray I have, is the one that was the combo pack. The last one. So, I don't own Toy Story on Blu-ray, I just have it on DVD, and I don't have a digital copy. I have Toy Story 2, but not with a digital copy. I only have Toy Story 2 on Blu-ray. This was before digital copies were, like, common with mm -hmm. their counterparts. And then I have Toy Story 3 because that was when they were coming out with the digital copies and stuff. So my collection of Toy Story is not is not even, and I it's bugging me. Yeah, it, it irks me that I don't have two on Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's bugging me a lot. Three, it bugs me that it's in my collection at all. I won't take it and burn it. <laughs> it just taunts me from the shelf. All right, so we have another new segment here that's oh. going to go between history and between fun facts. Oh, my Lanta. We'll never so, talk about the movie with all these segments. Well, we're not going to have the history of Pixar segment again. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, we will later, but not right now. This one, we have to have. Right. It's called Constant Pixar Easter Eggs. Easter these are the ones... Easter eggs. We need, a, we need a different name for that, but Pixar, pick Easter egg, I don't know, something. I don't know. Somebody be creative. Make something cool. <laughs> somebody. We don't ask <laughs> you for anything. Well, somebody in the chat Use was those saying Amazon wants links. to record them saying short film. <laughs> <laughs> we need something for Easter eggs. All right. There are specific things that Pixar does in all their films, and they are constant Easter, Easter eggs that are always there. And so I knew we had to talk about these because they're going to be them. in every film. Yep. So the first is the A113. Mm -hmm. This is an Easter egg that is a reference to a classroom at CalArts, which is the alma mater of a lot of the people that work for Pixar and Disney, including John Laster, Brad Bird, and a bunch of other people. Mm -hmm. Uh. 
so the A113 Easter egg in Toy Story is the license plate of their mom's car. Right. Truth. John Ratzenberger. Yeah, John Ratzenberger. Ratzenberger. Uh, he is an Easter egg in and of himself. You talking about old because, Cliff? Yeah, because he is in every single Pixar movie. He's considered the Pixar good luck charm. And he has been in every single Pixar movie to date. He plays, is it Hammy? He's Ham. He's Ham. Yeah, he's Ham. There we go. All right, the Luxo Ball, which we all know is the Pixar Ball. The yellow ball with a blue stripe and a red start. It was first shown in the short Luxo Jr., and it has been shown in several Pixar feature films and shorts, and it's most prominently used in the Toy Story franchise, but we see it in almost every one. Uh, I don't know that it's in every single one, but it's in almost every one. Pizza Planet or the Pizza Planet truck. Mm -hmm. Pizza Planet is a fictional pizza restaurant that appears in Toy Story for the first time. I think it's just fictional. Fictional? I can't talk today. I think I don't think it's fictional. I think it's maybe or, it's fictional, fictional. Well, it's fictitious. It's fictitiously fictional. It's a fictitious, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in Toy Story, it's a large sci-fi themed restaurant with an arcade game, including robot guards at the entrance, and they run a fleet of derelict Toyota Hilux pickup trucks. Mm-hmm. But it just says "Yo" mm-hmm. on the back. <laughs> yep. With a rocket on the roof, and. We see the Pizza Planet truck or something referencing Pizza Planet in every single Pixar film to date. Except? Except for The Incredibles. That's right. It's not in The Incredibles, and we'll talk about that later. The last one that we will continue to talk about throughout all the Pixar films is the reference to upcoming Pixar films. Toy Story actually does not have one because they didn't have a film in the works at the time of Toy Story, because they needed to figure out if Toy Story was going to work or not. So Toy Story doesn't have one, but in the future, there Mm -hmm. will be. It sure will be. I actually just found the one in Cars 3 the other day. Oh, really? I've I've seen it so many times that I just figured it out. I was like, Coco! I've not (laughs) seen it yet. I'll tell you about it later. But I know it's on Netflix, but I did watch... uh, Non sequitur. Uh, did watch Pirates of the Caribbean on Netflix. Really liked oh, it. Cool. Really liked it. Fun facts. Fun facts. Say it proud and geek out loud. It's fun facts. All right. I'm not going to read all these, but I'm going to read some of them. All right. Buzz Lightyear is named after Buzz Aldrin. Mm-hmm. I already mentioned this. Lightyear's costume is uh, modeled after the suits worn by Apollo astronauts and G.I. Joe. <laughs> The green and purple color scheme on Buzz Lightyear's suit was inspired by John Lasseter and his wife, Nancy. It's their favorite colors. All right. Woody was inspired by Casper the Friendly Ghost. By a doll. It was a doll. By a doll that Lasseter had when he was a kid. Okay. Let's see. They kept the name of Woody to pay homage to the Western actor Woody Strode. You're talking about old Woody Strode? I don't know who that is. Me either. The story department drew inspiration from films such as Midnight Run and The Odd Couple for Toy Story. All right, Laster always wanted Tom Hanks to play the character of Woody. Laster claimed Hanks has the ability to take emotions and make them appealing, even if the character, like the one in A League of Their Own, is down and out despicable. Mm-hmm. All right, Paul Newman was tapped to be Woody as well, but he passed on it, but 
we do get Paul Newman in Cars as like, Doc hey, Hudson. Hey, those 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 cartoon movies make some money. Mm-hmm. I changed my mind. Billy Crystal was first approached to play Buzz. He actually turned it down. Right. He later regretted it, thus becoming Mike Wazowski. Because those Pixar movies make some money. Right. In addition to Billy Crystal, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, and Jim Carrey were all considered for Buzz. Every shot in the film had to pass through the hands of eight different teams mm. in order to be finalized. It's crazy. The voice actors after that Black Friday thing, mm-hmm. they came back to work in March of 90, 1994 to record their new lines. And the production went from 24, which was its original size, mm-hmm. to 110, including 27 animators, 22 technical directors, and 61 other artists and, and engineers. A comparison? Yes. 110 mm-hmm. versus 800 for The Lion King. Wow. It's a lot less people. All right. There were two premieres for Toy Story. Disney organized one at the El Capitan Theater, and they built a fun house for it. And uh, Steve Jobs decided he had to have his own. So he rented the the Regency, a similar theater in San Francisco, and held his own premiere the next night. Well, good for Steve Jobs. (laughs) The film has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. If Tom Hanks is unavailable to voice Woody for something, maybe a commercial or something like that, his brother Jim comes in oh, to play oh, Woody. Oh, I didn't Jim know. Hanks. I didn't know that. Uh, let's see. On the bookshelf behind Woody when he's holding the meeting, there are some Easter eggs on those books. They reference the previous short films from Pixar. The toolbox that gets put on top of the milk crate that Woody totally, gets trapped in at Sid's house. Totally caught this one, by the way. You did? Yeah. It says Benford on mm-hmm. it, which is a reference to Home Improvement. The tool time sponsor from Home Improvement. Mm-hmm. Josh Whedon actually wrote the line, You're a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. And you have my pity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Tom Hanks apparently is such a great improviser that... The recording that he did in 1994 for the original Toy Story, they still use bits and things that we've never heard in Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, and in Toy Story 4 that were recorded in 94. Wow. Because he did so much stuff. Now, Toy Story does have an appearance in the theme parks. There's Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, which is at Walt Disney World. Astro Blasters at Disneyland, very similar to Space Ranger Spin. And let's see, Toy Story Mania is at Walt Disney World and at Disney California. That's Adventure. a fun one. I like some Toy Story that is, Mania. That is fun. World of it does make an appearance in World of Color, and then at Disneyland Paris and Hong Kong Disneyland, there is Toy Story Playland. Also coming up here very soon this summer, Pixar Pier is opening at California Adventure, which is going to have some more appearance from the Toy Story characters. And then Toy Story Land is opening this summer at Walt Disney World, which is going to have a slinky coaster. I'm so excited. A slinky coaster. Oh, my God. We get to ride Slinky Dog. I just can't even handle it. Voice and by then the there's going to be alien or an alien ride. And then there's a restaurant inside of Andy's lunchbox. Oh my God. Shrink me down to a toy. Well, that's what, that's what I love about the, uh, the toy story mania is you're basically going through Andy's room. Like you're a toy mm-hmm. and it's just a really like, it's neat to see all the stuff. Um, 
are we ready to talk about this movie? Cause I'm yeah. Okay. Sorry. There's I, just like it's the first one. So. Yeah, I know. I just want to say this right out of the gate. It comes with a lot of baggage. As I'm watching this movie, I can't help but think this leads to Toy Story three. <laughs> I know, right now it like, like ruins oh, it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this leads to Toy Story three. But this movie, I I first saw this movie sitting out on uh, what's called the Mansion Lawn at Liberty University when I was in college. They showed they showed a they used to do movies on the lawn, and they showed this that spring. So it was '96. It was spring of '96. I'd heard a little bit about it, but it was off my radar. But me and some friends went, and um, you know me, I have my little sayings that I say every now and again. You know, just basically things that are. My Lanta has been one that's kind of stuck in the Goliverse, but I had going into college all these different things that we that I used to just kind of say. So if someone said, "Hey, are you going to exercise?" my response would be like, "Not today." Like that was <laughs> always my thing. Like not today. Um, and so when when we're sitting there watching, and there at the end when he's like, "Buzz, we're going to blow up," and Buzz says, "Not today." Everyone just kind of looked at me, and we all had a good laugh out of that. So that was a fun <laughs> moment in time. Uh, one of the girls that we were there watching it with, when you hear at the end, it's like, it's a Mrs. Potato Head. It's kind of quiet on the lawn, and she just goes, get it! And I'm like, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But I remember watching this, and I had someone else tell me, like, there were moments where I thought it was real photography. And I never had that with this particular movie. But I just remember being so blown away with the style of animation and the fact that... Um, this wasn't the chintzy computer animation of the dancing baby, you know, or there were some other cartoons that had been on TV at that point that were a little, you know, they tried to do it like Transformers Beast Wars tried to do it. It was just really, you know, really weird and weak. And it didn't look like a video game. It just looked, it looked like an amazing 3d cartoon. And, um, and it is a groundbreaking movie. And it's amazing to think to me that, Right there within those few years, and it's the same wave like in 77 to 80, you know, where you had Star Wars and Superman the movie, and just before that, you know, Jaws, and you had some really groundbreaking things take place cinematically, and then here in the mid-90s, you had things like Jurassic Park and Toy Story that just kind of changed the landscape of filmmaking, and and were those moments of groundbreaking filmmaking things, and, th and Toy Story is one of those. And, you know, without, I, I dare say without a Toy Story, there's no Shrek, there's no How to Train Your Dragon, there's no Madagascar, there's no, you know, all these things that DreamWorks have done, there's none of that. Um, because I don't know that anyone else had the vision to do it this way. No, and I agree with you. Had Toy Story not happened, the world of animation would be completely different. And, I mean... Maybe, because Disney had already bought Caps, and they were using it for some stuff, but not right. this style. We were headed that way, for sure. We, Yeah. You know, the funny thing about Toy Story is it just seems so natural. And for me, me being younger than you, like I feel like I don't remember the first time I saw Toy Story, honestly. Mm -hmm. It just has always existed right. in my head, you know? Mm -hmm. And... Toy Story was so, it was always just so amazing. But Toy Story for me is a movie that I've always, that I remember watching at home. And I'm sure I saw it in the theater, 
but you watch it so many times at home and it's just like it's just a part of like what just what you watch on tv you know and it's just so great i don't know the toy story for me is interesting because i love toys so much Mm -hmm. that i resonate with like so many of these characters like in toy story 2 with wheezy Mm -hmm. i'm just like poor wheezy (laughs) he lost his squeaker uh you know and i always felt bad for my toys if something happened to them and i was very careful with them because i didn't want to hurt them right you know whereas other people like threw their toys around and i didn't do that and i played with them but i played with them very nicely so and it's like everything they go through with the birthdays and are we getting more of the same thing and that kind of stuff I don't know if I ever consciously did this, but I know I was kind of careful to like not have two of the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't right. know if it was like consciously like there, you know, is it another dinosaur? <laughs> so we don't want to make, we don't want them to fight each other. I mean, if it was going to be another dinosaur, I just didn't want it to be another T-Rex, <laughs> you know, Yeah, let's get a different kind. But I always wondered if my toys came to life when I wasn't around and not in a creepy way. Like it's a small world Mm -hmm. because that's a whole other thing entirely. Right. But I always thought it would be cool if they did, Mm -hmm. you know, and well, let me on that note, let me ask you this. And I, and I have a personal story about my toys as well. Um, in all of your research for toy story, did, did this, did Jim Henson's the Christmas toy ever come up? Jim Henson's what? The Christmas Toy. No. This was a direct-to-TV like Christmas special made back in the eighties. Oh. And the premise was it was it was Jim Henson doing it, and so you know it was, but it wasn't like Muppets. Kermit hosted it, I think, but then it went into the actual story. And what it was is is when no one was around, the toys still were alive. The toys were alive, and they would play. But if they were ever caught out of position, they'd be frozen forever. So, in other words, it, it killed them to be seen doing something, you know, like what you'd see in Toy Story doing. That's terrible. Right? Well, it's Jim Henson, man. He takes things a little far sometimes. Um, but it's all about a toy who was, he was the favorite Christmas toy the year before. Um. And and he's worried about being usurped by another toy this Christmas. Huh. So, anyhow, I didn't know if maybe you you bumped into any of that. But anyway. I didn't, but that reminds me of Night at the Museum, the second one. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's the first one. The first one, where if they get caught outside the museum, they evaporate. Right. But you (laughs) you talked about not having two of anything. I used to, when I'd get a new Star Wars figure... I would go to my Darth Vader collector's case and open it up where all my figures were kept. And I would introduce that figure to all the other figures. <laughs> now, I, I had two or several of the Teresa Barbie doll, mm-hmm. but they were different kinds. Right. You know, I didn't have two rollers, you know, rollerblading Teresa Barbie yeah. dolls. I only had one of those. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I, I did, I was a lot like Andy in that I took care of my toys. I did play with my toys. You know, I very much went on adventures and stuff with them. They were important 
my toys were important to me. So when we'd go on vacation, it was very much like, how many toys can I take? You know, you can take three toys. You can take this. Or, you know, uh, my grandmother one year for Christmas, I don't know where she found these things, but basically it was a dish pan and someone had taken wood. Maybe my grandpa made this, but made these wooden lids that would slide on and off these old dish pans. And on there, there was a picture painted and it said Steve's treasure chest. And so I would load up stuff in that treasure chest and and those would be the toys I'd take on vacation with, you know, that kind of thing. And, and you had to choose carefully because you didn't, you know, you didn't want to get down to the beach or down to the, you know, down to wherever we were going and, and miss out on, oh, I forgot to bring a He-Man figure that I wanted, or I forgot to bring this particular G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, for, for me, it was about stuffed animals, like mm-hmm. which stuffed friends was I going to bring with me. And once I got my Simba, pretty much everybody else lost. Right, right. <laughs> so, okay, so some things. Did your toys have moving buddies? Do um, you think... Do I think? I wonder if they had moving buddies. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I I doubt they did. Um, or like when you pack, did you try to pack certain toys together? Yeah, oh, sure, yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah. I did that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like well, listen, I would used to I used to clean out my closet, and the, and the whole purpose of cleaning out my closet was to play with my toys. And I had <laughs> and I had in my closet a couple little shelves, and so I would arrange the toys. And this was usually reserved for like Star Wars vehicles and stuff. I would arrange them in such a way so that you had the rebels here and the Empire over there. Like, and never the twain should meet. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, for sure, there was there was always an order to where my toys were at, and and if we were on trips or if we moved, you know, there was an order to who moved with what, so to speak. Now, did you ever have a Mr. Potato Head? Um. You know, I don't think I ever had my own Mr. Potato Head. My brother had Mr. Potato Head, and then they got into the whole, for a while there in the 80s, they did the whole Mr. Potato family. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. so he was all into that, and he had a bunch of those. But I, I never had, did. I had that, too. And I actually own some of the Star Wars Mr. Potato Heads. I have a Darth Tater. I have that. I think that's the only one. I have one. a Storm you Tater. Talk, you talking about the old Spud Trooper? Spud Trooper, Spud mm-hmm. Trooper, and I have R two Potato or whatever his mm-hmm. name is. And I have a uh, I have a Spider Man. I was given a Spider Man Potato Head. And you know what? In this movie, I think outside of Barbie and Potato Head, those are the only two licensed toys. Yeah, I don't know if those Army Men are licensed. Barrel of Monkeys might be licensed. Bar- yeah, Barrel of Monkeys is licensed. And we do see other like has or Milton Bradley games in the background. Etch-a-Sketch is licensed. We do see other Milton... We see a game of life at one point and there were, there were some... Battleship is mentioned so I guess they had Parker Brothers or Milton Bradley or whoever did those games. They'd gotten some permission from them to throw in their board game yeah so when he gets a board game for his birthday they're like oh it's fine it's just a board game Mm -hmm. so do board games not come to life do the little people inside the board games not come to life not at all you actually see them playing um battleship oh that's right that's right that's so sad poor board games now did you ever write your name on the bottom of your toys i don't think i ever did that i i didn't do that but i did write my name on the back of trading cards Really? Why? Just so everyone would know they're mine. But if you're trading them, 
Well, I wasn't trading. I wasn't getting them to trade when I was a kid that age. I was getting. I was collecting them to have as as mine. And this is when I was real young, you know. So all of my old Empire Strikes Back cards that aren't in good shape anyway have an S on the back of them, or up in the corner have my name. That's funny. I can totally see little Steve doing that. Okay, so let's talk about some of this movie here. Really quickly, does little Steve in your mind have a beard? No. Okay. Little Steve is just like a little... Little round kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like cute little round Steve. I'll have to to dig up a picture of little Steve and send to you at some point. (laughs) I can dig up a picture of little Teresa. I'm actually sure my mom can. Uh, I can send it to you. Or she can send it to you. Okay, so the whole premise of this movie is that... The toys are afraid of new toys, which I think is kind of prejudice. Mm-hmm. It's like you all got there somehow, you know, like, don't be, don't be a click. Well, okay? but it's, it's I, don't, I think it's more about like, <clears throat> you love being loved. Right. And, and, and you don't, and you're worried that you'll be replaced. It's all, it's, it's that fear of, you know, I'm this person's friend and someone new is coming to the group. Are they going to replace me? And it's not that you intend to be rude or mean to that person. As Andy says, we're going to give him a big old, I mean, as Woody says, we're going to give him a big old Andy's room welcome. But there is the fear of what if I'm cast down to the other side of the bed and forgotten, you know? What, mm-hmm. if, I, what if I end up on the shelf, on the top shelf, like Squeaky, you know? Wheezy. Wheezy. Or, or what if I'm just like the shark? That just sits in the toy box all the time. Hey, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that plays into, you know, even adults have that fear, you know, the old FOMO, the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. But but at the same time, you know, especially as a child, when you have your groups of friends, you know, um, you, you, you want to make sure that your friends stay your friends. Yeah, you that's know. true. That's true. And and if you're in charge, God forbid someone else come along and take charge. Yeah, and I always kind of wondered how did Woody get in charge in the first place? But maybe it's whoever's the favorite toy. Oh, okay, I get it, I get it. Oh my gosh, look at little Teresa <laughs> down in the giant bucket. <laughs> I can't believe this is the picture she took. These are the buckets we used to really? put. These are the buckets we used to take to the farm and fill up with corn. Well, that's, we used them for, this is on our ranch, and I think I was playing a game with that shovel to get the ball in the tub, or in the and bucket. S- and somehow but you ended up in there. I didn't fit with my galoshes on, <laughs> so I had to take them off. And somehow you ended up in there. <laughs> yeah. I always like to see if I could fit into things. There's pictures yeah. of me inside cabinets, inside Yeah. In, inside laundry baskets. Little tiny people can do that. I was never worried about fitting into things. I was worried about what, how much food could I fit in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So Woody gets all insecure. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that it's Andy that shoves him off the bed or one of Andy's friends? Because I don't think Andy would do that. Where he would just like be like, bye. I, I think in the excitement of little boys with a new awesome toy, they just cleared the way. And yeah, I'm sure it was one of Andy's friends. And Andy, out of sight, out of mind, not seeing Woody go off the bed, 
didn't even think about the fact that that's usually where Woody is sitting. Mm-hmm. But Buzz Lightyear is also the toy of the moment. You know, this He's is that, like a Tickle Me Elmo. This is that. Yes, this is that transition from I'm 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 just playing cowboy now to I'm playing spaceman. And and there was obviously a cartoon to go along with it and that sort of thing, especially when you get to you knowing what happens in Toy Story two, you oh, get the gosh. idea. You know, you definitely get the idea that Woody is something that came that Andy just had with him from day one you know yeah like woody's from like the 50s right so woody is just a toy that andy's had since he was not even able to talk and um and buzz comes along and it's like oh this is the toy this is the thing that the boys would be on the playground at school talking about you know buzz's cartoon show or who's got the new buzz Lightyear. i mean we used to do this at school hey have you seen the new he-man figures that are out have you did you watch that episode yesterday it's it's the same kind of concept and so when they're at a birthday party and boys get riled up, like, here's the one thing. I, th- this is the most unbelievable point of this movie to me. It's not that toys are talking, not that all this stuff is going on, but when that mom called and said, hey, it's time to eat cake, all the boys ran out of the room excited to eat cake. That's not how little boys act. Little boys are all <laughs> over the place. They're like, I'll get some later. And one of them's over there in the corner playing with, you know, some toy that he doesn't have. And he's so, um, but yeah, so it was obviously one of Andy's friends because he says, hey, land it over here, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. For me, it was like, ooh, new Care Bears. <laughs> As a little kid, I'm trying to think. I played by myself a lot. Well, so did I. But I, mean- I also remember being real big into Jurassic Park, and one of my things to do for fun was to go look for dinosaur bones or rocks in the creek. All right, I did that a lot. <laughs> We could have been. You best, know what? We could have been. You best know, friends. I was. I was more of a practical player, Steve. Right. One of my favorite things to do was to check out groceries on my miniature grocery checker router. Well, there thing. you go. Yeah. And one of my favorite things to do was to build armies against one another. When when the GI Joes met the Star Wars people and the Transformers showed up, and they're like, "Wow!" And they are always like, "Now oh, you're huge on well, our world. This is how big we are." You know, when He Man would show up, you know, with Castle Grayskull. And I would make these great good guy bases from everyone, and then the bad guy bases from everyone, then it'd be on. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I also made my own McDonald's. We did that a lot, yeah. Yeah. I liked playing kitchen. Yes. Yeah. I liked participating. See, which is so weird. This is so weird. And I know my mom is listening right now. Mom, what happened to me? I used to like to pretend and play kitchen. I had one of those toy kitchens. Mm hmm. With the little doors and the stove and everything, and the cabinets and stuff, I don't know how to cook. But that, today, but you as an adult, you know, I have no idea how to cook. But, but you, I like to pretend cook when I was a kid. But you know what that means? That means that love is inside of you, and someone just needs to bring it out. Maybe so. Maybe. I can take you to culinary school. Or I like school. fake food. Maybe that's the. <laughs> maybe that's it. <laughs> Even still, today when I go to the toy store and I go and I go to that area where they all have all the little kids kitchens and stuff they mm-hmm. have the baskets of like all the fake food and i'm like god there's so many more options now it's so many more options so now much more fake so meals. many so many more options now it's not just a t-bone steak and a fake fried egg right yeah. exactly <laughs> so many they've got a vegan kitchen over here oh my lanta <laughs> That's we great. Had a, I had a little toaster that, like, the little toaster sure was kind of, like, did. soft. Yeah, sure you did. 
I love that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. I really did love my fake, my McDonald's. I made menus and everything. We used to, we used to play McDonald's. We'd get on, someone would be standing on our screened in porch and that'd be the drive through. And we oh, would, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we would ride our bikes through the drive through. The drive through for me, there was a little cabinet, dish cabinet in our, at our ranch house that just closed by a curtain. And I set up in there, so anybody who walked by had to order. <laughs> nice. It was very funny. Anyway, that has nothing to do with this movie. It's just like, what did we used to play with? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I saw this today, and this is something you thought of while you were reading this. Does Buzz really not realize he's a toy? He freezes when Andy's in the room. Yeah, I wonder if that's something that's built into the psychological makeup of toys. In other words, like it's something like it's just instinctual. All right, I've just received <laughs> an amazing ton of baby Teresa. Look at cute little Teresa in the baby rocking chair. Look at baby Teresa with her do- Oh, my Atlanta. The dolls are like the same size as me. That is precious. Look, I'm cooking something. You are cooking something. You're sitting on the counter cooking something. Little baby Teresa! precious oh my gosh wow i wish we could share some of those with our listeners i don't know how but i'm, I'm they're so hilarious. i'm so glad we're friends <laughs> okay so a little sassy. so what do you what do you get all jealous right and he essentially i don't think he doesn't do it on purpose though he doesn't get rid well, of buzz on purpose well he's trying to not what he's trying to do Woody is knock Buzz down between the desk and the wall. And and things go wrong and Buzz ends up going out the window. So yeah, it's a big misunderstanding. But Woody is trying to get Buzz out of the picture. Yeah, because he's jealous. Well, yeah, he is. And, I like uh, how everybody just flips on Woody and just is like, you're a murderer. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, but Slinky Dog still wants to believe. Oh, Slinky Dog still believes. Because they're like best friends. Well, yeah. I think. I think Woody and Slinky are best friends. Well, I think Slinky just loves Woody. I mean, Slinky's a loyal dog, you know? <laughs> And that's what and that's what it's all about. That's what the whole thing with Slinky is all about, is that he's just loyal. Mm-hmm. And um and so and doesn't doesn't Mr. Potato Head take his lips off and put him to his butt at one point when Slinky's oh, talking yeah, to Buzz? Yeah. He also does that when he's like, Oh, I should shave when Mr. Potato and just, Head and just pulls or the, when Mrs. Potato Head gets gets there, he pulls, pulls his, his mustache, mustache off. off. Yeah. Well, and don't forget in Toy Story 3 when she's like, I'm packing your angry eyes just in case. <laughs> Yeah. This movie's so good. Oh yeah. my gosh, we have to talk about Sid. Oh my, Sid See, is insane, and okay. I hate him. Right now, I knew kids, and I hear people today, and there's probably people listening to this who used to put firecrackers, who tape firecrackers to their action figures, and would blow, would intentionally blow their action figures up or harm, do harm to their toys. We didn't do that, but we did put black cats inside ant mounds. Well, that's fine. That's different. That's living creatures, not your toys. Um, <laughs> living creatures. <laughs> it's perfectly fine and acceptable to do that to living creatures, but not your toys. I never understood that as a kid even when I'd hear other kids talk about it. 
And I even thought at some point someone's lying. No one really does this because I could not imagine intentionally ruining my toys. Now, also, my parents would not buy us something if we, you know, go back and get us something again if we intentionally messed it up. Um, You know, good Lord, I'd lose action figures and there was a chance I'd never have them again, you know, um, just by accidentally losing them. Um, but, but I mean, I had, I had friends that would blown up GI Joe toys, would blow up He-Man figures. They even mentioned blowing up the Star Wars figures. And I'm just like, I don't understand this. Why would you do this? And so when Sid is on there, I'm immediately, I immediately have an aversion to Sid, even if the toys weren't alive, even if the toys weren't alive, um, I would have an aversion to Sid because of, of what he's doing to the toys. Um, but at the same time. There is something about him where he's taking these things apart and putting them back together in different weird ways, which I know on one hand seems kind of maniacal and evil, but on another hand, it's some creativity amongst in that kid's life. And I There's also, a lot of creativity, especially with some of those things he's created. Do you imagine that Sid's home life is not the best? Mm, no, but maybe just different Maybe not. Maybe I don't know. But he's really mean to his sister. Well, and see, I feel like I feel like I feel like his home life is not the best. Um, and I don't know why I feel that way. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's this. If the one scene where Buzz actually sees the commercial, you know, that there's just someone in there on the recliner sleeping while all this stuff is going on, and I'm like, you know, has he got a deadbeat dad who just, you know, of course, Andy's dad's not even in the picture he's obviously not disciplined um according to real transit that's great roth and wyoming says since parents are probably on meth oh they may be but i just i don't know he just seems like uh, it just seems i don't know i get their house makes me feel icky because i'm like there's there's unhappiness in that home yeah and i think it's kind of implied like the difference between an andy and a sid you know an andy everything is happy and light it's not dark you know, I mean, the Sid's parents let him buy a rocket for crying out loud. What did they even know that he? Oh yeah, a rocket, maybe you know? that. Maybe they don't even know. And how was Sid at Pizza Planet? He probably just rode his bike over there without his parents knowing about it. Yeah, I think it's just implied that Sid is like you know the bad kid versus Andy, who's mm-hmm. the good kid. Well, we all knew him, and, and I'm I bet... glad we get away from Sid, by the way. And I bet Sid's a bully too, by the way. Well, he's a bully to his toys. Yeah, but I bet he's a bully to other people in real life. Um, Probably. Yeah, that's just like I. He's a bully to his sister. Based on what he does to his sister in those toys, I really just imagine Sid's got a got a bad future ahead of him. I'd love a I'd love a short film Sid now. Where, well, scared Sid, scared straight. That's what happened. Listen, by the time you get it, Sid is scared straight. He's never messing with toys again. And he's going to go into accounting and be one of the most boring individuals you've ever met in your life. <laughs> Not that all accountants are boring, but I'm just saying, like, the furthest thing from messing with toys. Does Woody break toy code, though, to come to life in front of a toy and well, be like, play nice, like like a creeper? Yeah, doesn't he say, though, to all of them? He's like, I think I know what to do, but we're going to have to break some rules. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. I think he does say that. Yeah. So he definitely breaks the rules to do that. Now, if your toys talk to you, mm-hmm. how do you respond? 
Mm, huh? That's what I'd say to them. I'd be like, mm, huh? if my if my stuffed Simba decided to start talking to me, I would be like, don't you dare tell anybody my secrets. Oh, okay. Because he right. knows everything. Yeah, I would. It depends on how it happens. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Like, if they surprise me and just like one day they're like, "Hi," I'd be like, "Whoa, f word." <laughs> I like it would have to be a excuse me, excuse me. I'm sorry. I know this is going to scare you. I'm sorry, and I'd have to get over it. And then depending, yeah, I'd need a minute. Yeah, I need a minute. And then depending on what it is they have to say to me, and how they're and how they're acting, depends on how I respond because. I got to tell you, suddenly blowing toys up doesn't seem like a bad idea if they start talking to me. You know, I can see like at school at my desk, if my ponies were to like walk over and be like, hmm, this looks like a good lesson. I'd be like, thank you, pony. I, here's what <laughs> I don't I'd want. Because I'd be going insane. <laughs> here's what I don't want. I don't want any toys waking me up in the middle of the night. No, mm -mm. that's not okay, toys. No, not at all. Like, if, if they're going to come and talk to me, this needs to be a face-to-face -face situation. It needs to be in the brightest sunlight. I You you might even want to write a note to let to me say, know. say, hi, we need to have a meeting. Right, at 3 p.m. on Tuesday, we're going to come alive and talk to you. Give me time to process it. And I'll yeah. still be surprised. I'll still think, but I'll be the, sitting there expectantly waiting, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I'll still be amazed at the at the situation, but I won't be like freaked out and you know making a new door in my house to get away from you. Yeah, yeah. No, it needs to be. It has to be timed appropriately. <laughs> yeah. I think if I was a kid when it happened, it would be a lot easier to digest because oh, my imagination is so much wider when I'm you, a kid. You don't think if I was a child and a toy had spoken to me as a child that it wouldn't have just made my whole life? Oh yeah, like my but Atlanta. now. Mm. Yeah, now I'd actually have to say, well, I need to go check in somewhere. <laughs> I got I got to get some help. What if my kitchen started talking? <laughs> what if your kitchen actually started cooking real food? Whoa. I'd like be like it suddenly a started to work. Yeah. Ratatouille, Ratatouille coming. Ratatouille coming in 2022. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, the end of this movie, by the way, Arcee is the hero. He, well, I mean, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like, he can't really decide for himself. I love how they're like, he, by another toy. I love how they freak out that he's got Arcee again. And they're like, he's taking he Arcee. Yeah, that he pushes him out. He's like, somebody stop him. So, oh yeah, R.C. is the hero, but also, I mean, at the end of the day, though, Buzz becomes the hero as much as I'm anyone. I'm Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> well, that's not yet, is it? Oh, that is well, it. No, that's right. Yeah, that is in the, that's at the, at, at the tea party. Yeah, the tea party. It's when he's, like, lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> Let's show him our new handshake, Buzz. And this is Iron, and then he's like, "What?" And he has his arm in the air. <laughs> ah! Oh my gosh, that's yeah. so funny. Oh, but yeah, when he when he's got the rocket strapped to him, and of course the battery runs out, and I love the, um, I love the whole ending. The ending is just it's a real fun chase, and it's exciting, and the way the little dog gets trapped, um, scuzz, scud, scud. 
Yeah. yeah. It's just, uh, it's a fun, exciting, ch- I mean, like, look, this movie is just outstanding. It mm-hmm. is, I mean, it really is. It, it is the, it was the perfect intro, not just for Pixar, but into a new era of what animated films could do. Um, oh, gosh, yeah. Because you're not just talking about, uh, you're not just talking about, you know, a, a fairy tale being told, you know, and, and princesses and that sort of thing, which is fine, and it's been great. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's, you love Disney, and we love Disney. But this was something completely new and different that it altered what Disney would be in so many ways. And part of it was because the story, even though I was sitting there thinking, I've seen this before, thinking of that Jim Henson Christmas special that I only watched the one time because it was kind of freaky. Even though I remembered that vaguely, I still saw this story that was being told in a way that that a kid's movie hadn't done yet. You know, we'd seen kind of that mixture of 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 grown-up humor and stuff with uh with like the Animaniacs and and even some of the Tiny Toons and Freakazoid from Warner Brothers on on afternoon television early in the 90s and into and into right around this time. But here was a story that just appealed on not just a mental level of humor, but on a heart level. Mm, yeah totally of you just get this you know and you and you feel it and and it sets the table i would have never expected a sequel and i was really worried when we were going to get a sequel we'll talk about that when we talk toy story 2 but i would have especially never expected from pixar to have movies that were so consistently good and the reason is is because it all goes back to story and and it's not a story that you understand necessarily just with your head it's a story you understand with your heart that that is the basis of this movie and i think it appeals to everybody because everybody can think of a time where something that they had that was pivotal in their growing up that was so important to them whether it was a toy or a book or whatever and what that thing went through with them mm-hmm. you know i have my copy of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban that I have read so many times, it is coming out of the binding and it's a first edition print, you know, Mm. and I need to stop reading it, but I always (laughs) defer back to that one as opposed to the paperback that Mm -hmm. I have. Yeah. And it's just been through so much with me. I mean, my Simba has been everywhere with me. It's been to Europe, you know, it's been to Costa Rica. It's been all over the place. Yeah, I have um, toys that are broken that I remember when they got broken, you know, and I remember how they got this little blemish over here or that thing over there. You know, I remember what I was doing with them. It's not just that they're collectibles. They're highly sought after collectibles. It's that these were my childhood. And so many of those things had to go away at some point, you know, either having to sell them because I needed money or you know, my mom gave them away or whatever the case may be, but there's so many of these things. And and the same is true with some of my comics, you know, that I was still that young kind of 11, 12 year old kid getting into comics that I remember where I was when I read it. I remember what was going on and, and they became important things to me. These, these toys were important to me as a kid. And so that opening scene with Andy playing, you know, and, and the whole reach for the sky and the, and I've got a force field. The dog's a force field, but I've got a T-Rex to undo all that. You know, it's like those were the types of scenarios that I would put my toys into. 
I would have adventures with them. They went off with me. They were friends. You know, I had friends, but my toys were friends as well, you know, and, and, and it was just always, and, and so when I'm watching this and I see that here are toys that are loved, here are toys that are taken care of, and they're, you know, they're, they're, there is that struggle for dominance, but at the same time, there's a friendship being developed all based on the kid, all based on Andy. You know, mm-hmm. that's what they had in common. And, and I always saw myself as the center of my toy's world, you know, that, yeah, he probably worse to you. Well, I probably was. And I'm like, yeah, He-Man was on TV five days a week and Star Wars was a movie, but because of me, these two characters, Luke Skywalker and He-Man could go on an adventure together to take out Darth Vader and Skeletor. And all, you know, and all of a sudden Megatron shows up and now we're, now it's a fight, you know, that kind of thing. And it, and it's and I would so cool. and I would also take those other kind of non-licensed toys that just always end up at your house and use those things, you know, like the Rings of Destiny, because for some reason we had, of course, where I was always a baby in our house growing up, and so we had those little just colored rings that you stack on a pole, which is the dumbest toy ever. Um, hey, I'm sure for little babies it's awesome, but uh, <laughs> but I would you know I'd take those and use those as some type of you know. We've got to go on an adventure to complete this giant laser cannon, that kind of thing, you know. And that was just how my mind worked. I'd take cereal toys, man. There was a Captain Crunch. There was a whole promotion where the captain had gone missing, and they had uh, maps that came, you know, in in the cereal box. And I'd take that map and actually would parts of my yard coincide with places on that map, and I would have the toys go on the quest for something else. It wasn't necessarily the captain, but I would use those treasure maps. Same thing. Once they started packing those into star Wars toys, galactic maps, it was just like, I would incorporate all this fun stuff into playing with all these toys. And the idea, even as a 19 year old kid at college watching that, you know, where all my toys were now gone, they were all packed up in storage back at my parents' house. But even watching this as a 19 year old sitting on the lawn at college for the first time, I thought, I totally understand what's going on here. I totally get this. Because mm-hmm. in my imagination, this is what my toys did when I wasn't around. And I think that's what Toy Story hits on. And in the rest of the Toy Story movies that are coming, they continue that. You know, and we can follow the story as we get older. And I've always wondered, and I'll mention this again when we get to Toy Story 3, have I done a disservice to my toys by buying them as an adult? Well, I mean, look, that's the question and really posed. Or my toys that I have as a kid. Like, yeah. is it bad that they're that I kept them and they're sitting in a box? Like, did I do that wrong? I <laughs> I don't think well, so. Well, and, and honestly, that's a that's a question as far as the toys of buying as an adult. That's a really poignant question posed, I think, for collectors by Toy Story 2. You know, what is the purpose mm-hmm. of these things? Mm-hmm. And 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 I think, and we'll talk about it when we get there, but I think Toy Story 2 changed the way that I interacted with my collectibles as far as being an opener and what happened when kids come over and that sort of thing. So we'll talk about that when we get there. Though. Yeah, when we get to Toy Story 2, the little toy preservation guy, mm-hmm. he he made me become an unboxer. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> But as far as this movie goes, like I say, I think it's just a fantastic intro. You know, it's something we we've had Disney movies that weren't musicals, um, but you know, this had a had a soundtrack of Randy Newman songs. Yeah. You know, yep. and um, 
and it that was a little bit song. different. Yeah. You know. You talking about this one? Now, Teresa, I got to tell you, this is and this is the joy of this movie, and I and and I know we've got to wrap it up because we've been going for so long. But <laughs> yeah, I'm I so was sorry, I was at a birthday party for a five year old kid just this past week, and one of the presents he opened up was a Woody, and he already has a Buzz Lightyear, but he opened up a Woody, and you know looked just like, I mean, it was the right size and everything, you know. And as he realized what it was, he puts on Woody's hat and he starts kind of bebopping around. He's like, he starts singing this song. He starts singing, you got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. And he's like, and I'm like, I'm loving this kid. I'm loving how he just immediately goes right into it. He also got a big play set for the he, the Lion Guard play set and a bunch of figures. Oh, yeah, cool. And so he's singing the Lion Guard song, you know. Uh, and I and I was there with him one time, and he had a bunch of rescue bots, Transformers rescue bots. Transformers. And, and and he's and he's just flying them all into the table, and he's singing the rescue bots theme song, and and I'm just like, that's what toys do. And this and you got a friend in me. I mean, I'm sorry. This is like, I feel like this is one of those songs that should have been a theme for the show the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it's a perfect. It's just a bunch of friends getting together. Yeah. Talking about Disney movies. Well, and it's a perfect song for this, for this movie, you mm-hmm. know. So. Because it's like you've got a friend in me, like Woody Buzz, all the toys, but you've got a friend in me as us to our toys, right. or our toys to us. Right. Yeah. So, um, Roth in Wyoming says, "Not sure why you've got a friend in me makes me tear up." Because it's so sentimental. Because when you hear the song, you associate that song with something that has meant a lot to you. And it just sticks. Yeah, I 100% agree. I'm not a fan of the song that he sings when Buzz is like, you know, realizing he's not a toy. Oh, the sad song? Yeah. And I'm not, it's not that I'm a fan of it because, not a fan of it because it's a sad song. It's just something about the structure of the song that I don't really care for. Yeah, I just prefer to just pretend that You've Got a Friend of Me is the only song. Me too. Me too. (laughs) And by the way. Here's the thing. Pixar films are not musicals. They're not the way that that Disney films were. So mm -hmm. we're not going to have big musical segments anymore and stuff like that. We're going to have segments about Easter eggs. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and we may play bits and pieces of scores here and there that we like. But, um, yeah, because there are some really good scores in yeah. the Pixar movies, though. Yep. That's for sure. But, uh, but yeah, this uh, one thing we haven't really given enough love to, though, are the little aliens. Oh, my um, gosh. I love those guys. Ooh, the claw. Ooh, the claw. <laughs> I think my dad developed the claw thing after Toy Story. He would, <laughs> you know, be like the claw with his hand and stuff. The claw has chosen you. <laughs> I do love the alien guys, and they become very important as we continue in the oh Toy my Story God. Oh. story. 
It's, listen, I'm sitting there when that's happening in the in the little game, in the little claw <laughs> game. I'm sitting there thinking, how about a joke that pays off in one of the most tense moments ever? Like, because it does. This It sets up, and I know they didn't intend to in that moment, but the, the love of the claw sets up a sets up a joke that's basically a joke to relieve the tension of one of the most human intense moments of a movie from that year when yep. Toy Story 3 came out. We'll talk about it more in depth oh, when we get to Toy Story 3. Here, okay, ready. before we go, because we do got to wrap up, um, and maybe this is something we should do off air, but can we maybe skip Toy Story 3? We can't. Do we have to rewatch it before we talk about it? Because I mean, it needs to be real. Literally, Toy Story 3, Steve, is going to be the Fox and the Hound of our Pixar it, set. It's like, going to be worse than the Fox and the Hound. Literally, two days ago, I was explaining to someone what happens in Toy Story 3, and I was getting choked up talking about it. You know what, though? It's going to be a pivotal episode. People were asking um, on our Facebook group about listening to Vault Talk, and somebody said, you cannot skip the Vault Talk Fox and the Hound episode. That is what the Toy Story 3 episode is going to be mm. of this part of Disney Vault Talk. When, listen, I, I was talking to someone who I care about deeply and who I thought cared about me, asking them, please watch Toy Story 3 with me when I have to watch Toy Story 3, just so I don't have to do it alone. And they're like, I don't think I can. And they, they can't even get through Toy Story. You know who I want with us to do Toy Story 3? Who's that? Chaz. I bet we can make it happen. I think he'll lighten the mood. Uh, he will definitely lighten the mood. Yeah, he'll definitely lighten the mood. So, well, that's it. Our next episode is going to be A Bug's, a Bug's Life. Life. Oh, my gosh. That's a now, movie I've not seen. This is a good underrated Pixar film, And I've guys. not seen it in years, and it's on my Blu-ray shelf right now. I'm looking so forward to watching it. Yeah. Because I remember it being so good. Um, it is It is the follow-up to Toy Story, though, so it had a lot to live up to. And we'll... It- and we will make sure we talk more about the movie than we did about the switch. Yes. Well, I don't know how else to just gush over this. I mean, it's just no, a I gush. No, I know. Fest. You have to talk about your own toy experiences. Yeah. Like, that's the best way. And we won't have as much history and stuff because we'll have already done that. So, yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and Tim yeah. Allen. I mean, I'm sorry. We haven't really given Tim Allen enough love. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just focus on Tom Hanks. I understand. I, do. And I understand. He's witty. And he's amazing. But you know, when you were going through those other those that list of names for people who were to play Buzz, none of them would have worked. I'm sorry. No, they wouldn't have. None of them. And and Tim, Tim Allen, Allen was great. Tim Allen is absolutely. Has, has he been become a, Has he been inducted into like the Disney Legends yet? I don't know, and I don't think Tom Hanks has though. Oh well, both of them deserve to be. Well, Tim, Tim Allen Hanks, even more than Tim Allen, because Tom Hanks has been Walt Disney now. That's right. That's right. Not that well, this is related to Disney, but Tom Hanks is about to be uh, Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I saw that, and I texted Erish. I I don't know. That's one of those that I don't know if I'll be able to watch. It'll destroy me. It'll absolutely destroy me. But, you know, Tim Allen, also the Santa Claus movies. They're Disney films. Um, So, yeah. And you don't... I'm sorry. I love Woody. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I don't know that you can have a Woody without a buzz at this point. No, you can't. So, anyhow. Don Rickles with Mr. Potato Head, just uh, to throw stuff out there. John Ratzenberger as Ham. The late Jim Wallace Varney. Sean as yeah. Rex. Jim Varney as Slinky. You had, uh, you had uh, some great... Oh, my gosh. You know what else we didn't talk about? The Star Wars sound effects that are in this. Oh, that's right. When the little, when the little fire truck 
um, tips back over and all the little people get in the fire truck, it's Jawas talking. You can hear the Jawas chattering. And um, and there's some other there's some other Star Wars effects that are in here and there in the, in the thing. There's the Wilhelm scream at one point. Um, it's uh, yeah. There's all kinds of throughout these toy throughout these Pixar movies, especially the early ones. There's a lot of Star Wars love thrown in mm-hmm. there. Big time, big so, time. A lot of invert love. Well, anyhow, that Bugs Life is next, and we'll definitely be talking the movie more uh, than we did this. But I hope we did this movie some justice. Um, we love it. In uh, case you absolutely can't. love it. Absolutely love it. So, Teresa, how can people get in touch with us between now and now? All right. So we haven't read emails in a little bit, but it's just because we've had a lot to cover. So we will return to that. You can email us, vaulttalk at gmail.com. The more emails of variety we have from different people, the more awesome it is to read them. And if you're a newer listener, please make sure you email us. We want to know. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Disney Vault Talk. We are on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Disney Vault Talk. I am at Ice Cold Penguin. Steve is at Steve Glasson. And you can follow the entire Goaliverse at Goaliverse. It's G-O-L-I-V-E-R-S-E. And speaking of the Goaliverse, you can join up with our, our Facebook group at uh, geekoutonline.com slash group. If you want to support the shows, there's Amazon links, think geek links, even more than that over at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Uh, use those. It helps out greatly. If you want to support the shows directly, it's patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And we appreciate everyone who supports us in any way that you do. I thank you so much for that. As we said, we had our technical difficulties uh, last month, and we're still trying to get all put back from that. There are episodes of Disney Vault talking from the earlier days that are not up yet, but they will be up. If you're listening to this, they should be up by the time you're actually hearing this, if you're just listening to it through the podcast feed. Uh, if you have any more trouble with any of them, please reach out to us and let us know. And mm-hmm. um, and that, because that way we'll know to, what to check and make sure everything's functioning just right. And we appreciate your help with that. But absolutely. until we get to a bug's life next time, I'm Steve. And I'm Teresa. May all your days be magical. And may all your wishes come true. Can we keep that even though we're in the Pixar movies now? You know what? We can say, we should say to infinity and beyond. Oh, okay. All right. We, or somehow, something like that. All right, so hold on. Uh, we'll see you next time on Disney Vault Talk. Until then, I'm Steve. And I'm Teresa. To infinity and beyond. How's that? Did you think I felt all right? Yeah, I like okay, it. Okay, great, great. Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> You got a friend.